What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. In this episode, John Pompliano, my brother and I, we sit down and we talk about Walmart and their recent earnings report. It's a fascinating business. It employs 2.3 million people around the world. And there's sales. They may be in trouble. We wanted to get to the bottom of what's going on with the business. How did they actually build this thing? Why are the owners who aren't involved anymore so wealthy? And what exactly are the future prospects? The fascinating conversation that breaks down a lot of data and a lot of various insights. Hope that you enjoy these episodes. Before we get into it, I first want to talk about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FTX US. FTX.US is the safe, regulated way to buy and sell Bitcoin and other digital assets. You can trade crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. There are no fixed minimum fees, no ACH transaction fees, and no withdrawal fees either. FTX.US is also the only leading exchange that supports both Ethereum and Solana NFTs. Download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP to earn these free crypto on every trade over $10. The more you trade, the more you earn. Go download the FTX app today and use referral code POMP. Today's episode is brought to you by Brave. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com slash pomp and click the wallet icon to get started. Again, go download Brave at brave.com slash pomp and click the wallet icon to get started. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the top spot for all of your sports betting, casino, and poker needs. It's available on your computer, your tablet, or your mobile device. BetOnline accepts Bitcoin and more than a dozen altcoins to make deposits and withdraw your winnings. There are no crypto fees. Processing only takes minutes, and transactions are 100% anonymous and secure. Head over to betonline.ag and sign up today to receive a 100% crypto bonus on your first deposit. Just use ARC promo code POMP100 to get started. Discover why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager with crypto for sports, casino games, horse racing, poker, and more. Sign up today at betonline.ag and double your deposit with our exclusive podcast promo code POMP100. Go check them out at betonline.ag. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. We now have... The man, the myth, the legend, John Pomp. What up, buddy? What up? We talking about money? We talking about money. You must. That's why you're here because we're talking about money. Talk about money. That sweatshirt looks fire, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty nice sweatshirt. Thanks for the compliment. All right, yeah, of course. Uh, Walmart is what we're going to talk about today. 
why are you interested in Walmart? What, what, what grabbed your attention about this? So Walmart's been in the news because of their earnings last week. Um, but then I saw a stat that I thought was pretty interesting about Walmart and the Walton family in general. Um, so the Walton family still owns 47% of Walmart. And since Walmart does a dividend, <laughs> that means they generate about $3 billion annually just from owning Walmart stock. Let me say that again. The Walton family gets almost $3 billion annually just from what their uh, their dad did. So there's there's two things that are really interesting about this. One is that the Walton family still owns 47% of Walmart. In today's day and age, uh, the founder retaining <laughs> 47% of a company this large yeah. is uh, almost unheard of. There, I mean, there's, Jeff only Bezos, like, there's only two or three others in the world. If I remember correctly, Jeff Bezos owns like 12 to 16% of Amazon, somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's right? nowhere close to 47. Of course. So like yeah. he owns double-digit percentage, but a low double-digit percentage, whereas Wal the Walton family still owns almost 50% of Walmart itself. The second thing that's fascinating, $3 billion in <laughs> annual dividends is a ridiculous number. I mean, when you own that much stock, though, they're just playing by the rules. They say, we have a dividend and we're paying ourselves the dividend. Yeah. I mean, that, that's crazy. All right. So t talk to us about uh, Walmart in the background. All right. So Walmart was founded by Sam Walton. Uh, he had three kids. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how he got to be able to continuously own that much percentage. Uh, so he started, he was in World War II. He came back. He started some uh, five and dime stores. So like uh, five and 10 stores. Um, got to those like 16 locations. And then he opened up Walmart in 1960 or 1983. Um, or no, excuse me, 1962. Um, and then he just he just progressed, right? His strategy is basically to go, he was really cost efficient. He was like, we're going to go into these small towns. We're going to build out um, stores in these small towns. So then when big time retailers come into play, we, are, we already have the market, right? There can't be a million discount stores in the area. You can only have so much. He, he focused a lot on the merchandise and the cost of the merchandise against Amazon, which focuses obviously a lot on the operations, the convenience, the, hey, let's get to you really, really quickly. Um, and Amazon or and Walmart has kind of tried to build that into what they already care about their merchandise. So in 1962, he already had 16 stores. I mean, he, he was moving. Yeah, but he had 16 stores of a different brand. So yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had five and dime and then he created the first Walmart. Okay. And then at what point do we get the first Sam's Club? Because Walmart created Sam's Club. Yeah. I did not know that, that Walmart yeah. created Sam's Club basically to say, we already do low price things to the consumer. Why don't we just do it wholesale? Why don't we just do it more of the Costco model? Um, and they started in 1983. Okay. But they, they now have over almost 50 million members. Almost 50 million members at Costco today. Or at, at Sam's Club. Or Co Sam's Club. Costco has like 100 million because they focus on that business yeah, model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, they've got 50% of the number of subscribers of Costco, and it literally was like, a, hey, let's just start this kind of on the side almost, right? And it grew into this massive thing. Yeah, and he did a good job of like separating the businesses from like the U.S. Walmart to International Walmart, which is owned by a bunch of v uh, its joint ventures and subsidiaries. And then they have their e-commerce business that has ramped up a ton over time. Um, but they, they just do a really, really good job. And one thing I want to note is the reason that they retained all the ownership was their dad set up a partnership. Uh, so he had them all as basically like a partnership as the owner of Walmart. And the way this worked was he was able to pass down all the percents almost tax-free, right? So he gave each of his, uh, he has three sons and one daughter. He gave each of them 20% of what he owned. And then him and his wife kept the remaining 20% to split between the two. So he split it five ways, split his 47% interest. But what's interesting about this is, uh, one, the naming. So Walmart, 
Walton, yeah. right? So uh, Walton's Mart, uh, but then Sam's Club, Sam Walton, Sam's Club. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, and so he created these two brands, the ownership he puts into a partnership, and then he basically just said, hey, my wife and I will keep tw- 20% or one-fifth, yep. and then each one of my kids gets an equal percentage to us as this continues. And this is why so many Waltons are actually on the Forbes 400 uh, billionaire list, right? Yeah, and to, and to be fair, if you look it up, a lot of them don't do anything with Walmart. Walmart, right? Yeah, the, yeah, of uh, course. They just, they just have ownership. Yeah, what, one of the sons tragically passed away. Another uh, daughter is into like the art and museums and things like that. Uh, so they don't like operate the business day to day. All right. So now talk to me about why is this company worth so much? Like in terms of, I know they've got some real estate. Let's maybe start there in terms of like the real estate strategy. Yeah. They started with the small towns, right? So they realized that going after a major city, we'll, we'll go, we're from Raleigh, North Carolina, right? So you use Raleigh as an example. Inside Raleigh, there are other thrift stores, there are other grocery stores. There's a million other stores, but in the outskirts, uh, in the suburbs right outside, they realized they're like, there's these towns that have 5,000 people, like Kmart's Kmart was going after towns that had 50,000 plus people, right? Because they're like, hey, people are already there. Let's just build a store and then we can go ahead and uh, get market share that way. But he was like, why don't we build the market ourselves? Why don't we go ahead and take over this market? And then as people go into that area, move in the area, the area becomes more affluent, then we'll be the number one player there. And that's what they did really, really well is they put it on the suburbs. Um, And you can see like most retailers, like most brick and mortar retailers, um, they have a ton on the eastern side of the United States, but they are obviously all over both the United States and globally. Yeah. And then another thing that they did uh, in building this empire is this idea of being merchandise driven, not operations driven. What does that mean? Yeah. So being merchandise driven is one, they were really cost effective, right? So they wanted to bring down their costs as much as possible. Sam Walton was huge through all, all the research I did. Sam Walton was huge on just like, look, a dollar that we save gets passed on to the consumer. Right. They they were just let's just keep, keep, keep going and keep getting that cost down. Um, and then, yeah, look, they have a variety of products as well. Right. So if consumer electronics is down, they sell groceries. If groceries is down, they sell whatever. Uh, but what we saw last week with their earnings was just consumer spending mm-hmm. is down. Yeah. And and then last thing I think that's kind of part of the secret ingredient, it's not really secret, right? But is this idea of Walmart treats their employees uh, from a very kind of um, family oriented standpoint, like, hey, we want to take care of our employees. Why, why do they do that? Yeah, Sam Walton, when he started the company, one, he they call their employees associates, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was like, we want them to feel like ownership in this business. Um, he's very open with his employees about profits, uh, how much it costs, like a- everything that a normal company would probably shield from the lower level employees or associates in this case. Um, Sam was very open about it. And he said, if you give people a sense of ownership, essentially, they're going to they're going to work harder at it and they're going to do a better job. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, talk to me about the current business now. How many stores do they have? How many countries are they in? They have almost 11,000 stores. Um, wow. They're actually split. It's about 50% domestic, 50% international, and then they have like 600 Sam's Clubs. So that's not a big portion of it, but the other stores are like 50, 11,000 almost. They, they employ 2.3 million people. <sighs> They're the largest <laughs> employer in the world. The largest employer in the world is Walmart, and they have 2.3 million people, 11,000 stores or so. And how many countries? Uh, 28, I think. 28 countries. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, that is just absolutely insane. How many customers on like a weekly or, or annual oh, basis? Oh, yeah. So this is this is a this stat actually blew my mind, and I'm not sure how it compares to other people, but I just think this is absolutely nuts. Is each week approximately 230 million customers either enter their store or visit their websites? So each week, 230 million customers each week visit the 11,000 stores and clubs. 
Dude, that's the equivalent of two thirds of the United States population every single week. Yep. That's a number that if it was every year, you'd be like, damn, that's a lot. Yeah. People don't realize how big Walmart is. And like the, like no one can compete with Walmart right now with the model that they already have set up. Amazon is, is, uh, Amazon's doing a different model actually. So they're not trying to compete in my mind. All right. So I think we've got the chart of the stock price. Uh, it's at like 120 bucks or so, uh, today. And it was, you know, sub $50 in 2000. So it's just gone on, uh, you know, just an epic run. Uh, what's driving a lot of this? A $330 billion market cap company. Acquisitions uh, throughout the last 20, 30 years, right? They bought, um, what was it, uh, Jet.com in 2016 mm-hmm. for like $300 million, $3 billion, $3 billion, $3 billion yeah. right? Um, and then just acquisitions throughout the way and building their brand. They have, I think, 46 different like brands under there, um, like Walmart. Mm-hmm. So they just, they've done a really, really good job of just slowly progressing along the way, keeping the cost down for consumers, not overreaching. Um, they were pioneers in the sense of their logistics. So they used laser, um, laser technology to be able to move boxes around the warehouse a lot sooner than other people did. Uh, and then that is why they've just been on the forefront of things. They were a little late, I think, to the e-commerce game. But then once they bought Jet.com from Mark Lohr for $3 billion, they, uh, they just ramped it up. They shut down Jet.com and said, let's just redirect it to Walmart.com. Yeah. Uh, there's four other charts that uh, I know that you gave us that I think are really interesting. So first is Walmart's net income worldwide, going all the way back to 2010, now till 2022. And what you can see here is uh, they did 13, almost $14 billion in net income uh, is what they're tracking to. Back in 2020, they did 15.2 billion. And that yeah. income, which sounds like a massive number, but back in the early 2010s, they were doing like 16, 17, almost 18 billion dollars in net income. This is a business that is robust, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it is just sitting there kind of 15 plus billion uh, in net income. Every, that's not revenue. That's net income. Everyday low prices, volume adds up. All right. Then we've got this next one here. uh, And this shows that uh, kind of the financial information um, of Walmart. This does a good breakdown, I think, of separating their businesses as a whole. Um, Walmart US, Walmart International, and then Sam's Clubs as well. And you can see that Walmart is obviously, it's the driver for their business. So net sales in in 2021, let's look at that. Net sales in 2021, uh, Walmart US did $93 billion. Walmart International did 27 billion and Sam's Club did uh 16 billion. So combined 137 billion in net sales, but what is fascinating is that uh 93, 27 and 16 billion coming from those three. Obviously Walmart US is much bigger. I'm actually surprised at how much Sam's Club does in comparison to Walmart International. Yeah. 27 billion uh being Walmart International sales versus Sam's Club's 16 and a half billion. Uh that's not as nearly as big of a difference as I would have thought. No, and it's almost like people forget. Uh people don't think about Sam's Club and go, "Oh, Walmart, Walmart," right? They just think Sam's Club, right? And for the accounting department at Walmart, they're like, "No, we own Sam's Club. Let's make sure to add that revenue in because it's a giant revenue uh for the amount of stores that they have." Got Got it. All right. Then we've got the same store sales uh, change from the prior year. And what it looks like is that uh, we actually are seeing drops on a quarter by quarter basis uh, in same store sales. Is that something that people are concerned about? Yeah, I think just generally consumers have been spending less. The pandemic was a massive hit to people's wallets. And then obviously stimulus checks being boosted up in uh, late 2020 and early 2021 grew their um 
had people spending, but now you can see that people are going back to not spending as much because they don't have that uh, extra excess cash. Got it. And then the last one we have is uh, Walmart US e-commerce sales and the change from the prior year. And right now their e-commerce sales are basically flat year over year. It used to be, uh, you know, in 2018, 2019, 2020, we're between 40 to 60% uh, year over year growth. It spiked in 2021 to almost 100%, almost doubled, but now it's basically flat. So some of that's obviously going to be base effect, right? Yeah. It grew so much last year, uh, but still not exactly what you want to see if you're an investor having flat growth year to year. And so talk to me, I guess, as the last thing around like this inventory uh, and, uh, problem. It seems like they've got lots of inventory and sales are down a little bit right now. And so people are a little like, hey, what's going to happen to Walmart? Yeah, I think the big uh, the big takeaways from their earnings last week were that inventory on a year over year basis was up about 33 percent because they kind of almost over ordered supply chain woes. They just didn't know what was going to happen. So they're like, let's just get all our products in. The worst thing we can have is someone order a product and let's not have it to sell it to them. Um, but now they're, they have 33% increased inventory. Sales are actually down. Um, and you can imagine what that's doing, right? You can't just have inventory sitting there, especially if you're expecting a average or down year, right? They're not expecting to have an explosive year where it's 10%, 20% growth. They're expecting 2% growth. Um, so that inventory, that 33, 34% increase in inventory is a big deal. Um, and then, like I said, stimulus checks are over. So people just aren't spending. They're not, they're not doing what consumers normally do and what Walmart wants them to do. Yeah. It's absolutely fascinating to kind of think about how these businesses evolve over time. Right. Um, especially when, uh, a company like Walmart has been around for, you know, 50 years or whatever it is. Uh, and they've been able to navigate so many different, uh, macroeconomic, you know, uh, changes. Yeah. Uh, obviously they literally were started before the internet, right? In terms of, uh, uh, the mass, uh, consumer using the internet. And so they've been able to navigate e-commerce changes. They've been able to, uh, navigate good times, bad times, whatever. My general take here is that they'll probably be okay. Uh, but you know, you never know. I'm getting to think that the only companies that survive are the ones that have the ability and the, uh, desire to adapt to yeah. different changes, right? They were late to e-commerce, but then they went full blown in and said, let's ramp that up. That's a good business model. Um, and I got one thing for someone in the comments that was talking about their employees and how they treat their employees. I do not know. I do not work at Walmart, so I'm not there on the ground level. But I do know that they have set up multiple things to have their employees college paid for, fast-tracked management where they can make over $200,000 a year within a one-and-a-half, two-year time frame. Um, so that's all I know about their employees. Yeah, but I'm They seem to have some systems in place yeah. to do that stuff. All right. Where, where can we send people to find you on the internet? If you don't know, now you know. Go follow me on Twitter right now. <laughs> don't even just hit command T on your computer. Go follow me on Twitter right now. At John Pompliano. At John Pompliano. Oh, you can see it on the screen. John Pompliano. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely keep doing more of these, uh, these deep dives. I learn something every time we do one. Uh, and it's fascinating to think about various businesses and how they're kind of navigating good times, bad times, and, and what's working. So to see Walmart e-commerce year-over-year sales is near 0% <laughs> growth kind of crazy but then you see oh last year they almost doubled and so yeah. you know there's base effect there's all that going on so i appreciate Absolutely. it all right thank you john no problem <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening to today's episode i really hope you guys enjoyed this one make sure you're subscribed on apple spotify or your favorite podcast player and if you're looking to try to transition to get a new job in the bitcoin or crypto industry we've got you covered head over to pompscryptocourse.com We've developed a curriculum with the top teams across the industry. It's a three-week intensive training program with over 50 events packed into that three-week time period. Go to pompscryptocourse.com to learn more, and I'll meet you guys for the next episode.